We are going to take up our offering really quickly. I uh, got an update from the team that's in Kenya right now, and they, are, they did well. It was amazing trying to get back. Their van broke down several times, so they thought they were stuck in the bush of Kenya. But they made it back. Amazing things happened. God moved. It was a powerful thing. So uh, thank you so much, just as a church, for having a heart for what God is doing. Not only that you give sacrificially into uh, reaching other people, but that you yourself, so many of you, have been willing to go and to be the hands and feet of Jesus to a people who have never heard that Jesus loves them. So uh, thank you for that. Thank you for allowing us to continue to support what God is doing all over the earth. So Father, this morning as we come before you, uh, we're so glad that you have a heart for all people. It says that you have called us to go to people of every nation, every tribe, and every tongue, and we are the recipients of that graciousness. And Father, we pray for the precious people of Kenya that were ministered to, Lord, that the thing that was started inside of them would continue, that they would continue to know how great your love is for them, and that you would continue to be the God who leads them and cares for them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you're new here today, thank you so much for being here. Uh, we know you could have done a lot of things, but you chose to be here with us, so thank you for that. And we have a gift for you that we want to give you. You can stop by the information table, and we have a free Radiant t-shirt for you. Is this a way to say thank you for being here? And then if you want uh, me to connect with you, what you can do is fill out an information card, and then I'll get a hold of you this week to send you an email welcoming you here, letting you know how you can get a hold of me, and seeing if there's anything that we can do for you. And then also, uh, for those of you here last week, didn't Celeste do an awesome job? Yeah. yeah. That was weak. She did a better job than that. Yeah. Um, it was actually the first Sunday that I haven't been here when I wasn't in the hospital. So it was really cool to be able to be gone and have everything go so well. And also, I'm very pleased to announce that Celeste has agreed to join us on our staff, and she's going to be the administrative pastor. Uh, you guys know she's an incredible evangelist. There you go. She's an incredible evangelist, but what you might not know is that she also has an incredible administrative gifting, which happens to be my lowest gifting on all of the gifting charts. So she's going to bring a lot of strength to helping us create new structures and systems that will allow us to continue to reach more people and help empower you guys to do the things that God has called you to. There we go. That is good, because that's what the church is about. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, would you please turn to Luke 24 and Acts chapter 2. We are beginning a new series called More. And the reason that we're doing that is because, you know, as Christians, there is this hunger inside of us for more of God. There are things that we want to do. There are things that we feel like God has deposited inside of our hearts, ministry ideas and callings that he's given us that we want to live out. But what we find out is that we can't do that on our own. We need more of God for us to live the life that he's called us to and to do the things that he's called us to. And I began to discover this uh, very early in my Christian life. I remember the moment where I decided, God, I'm going to follow you. It doesn't matter where this decision takes me, where we might go, but my life is yours, and I'm going to follow after you in every area of my life. doesn't matter what happens. I have encountered you. I know your goodness. I put my faith and trust in you for my salvation, and for the rest of my days, Jesus, I'm coming after you. And as I started to dig into the Bible, I started seeing the life of Jesus, and this really stirred up excitement inside of me. I love the teachings of Jesus. I love that he's preaching and he's teaching the kingdom of God. I love seeing the miracles that are occurring as large crowds are gathering and they're hearing about God's plan for salvation for them. 
And we see the miracles. He's raising the dead. He's healing the sick, casting out demons, walking on water, feeding 5,000 people with two fishies and a couple loaves of bread. I mean, just incredible, miraculous things are happening that are allowing him to go forth and to continue to preach the kingdom of God and make more and more disciples. So I read that stuff, and I read about what the disciples did and other people and the faith that were heroes for me, and I'm like, that's what I'm going to do. That's what we as Christians have been called to do. And so I get excited about it. I read about the Great Commission, how Jesus has called us to go out and to make disciples all over the world. And I'm like, good, because this is what I want to do. I'm excited about what God has done in my life. I can't wait to tell every person I meet about God's love for them and the forgiveness of sins and the, uh, the new life that he's called you to. I mean, why would anybody not want that? I couldn't understand. I, I couldn't think that anybody would ever be like, yeah, no thanks, that's not for me. And so I'm going out there and I begin trying to evangelize and to teach people and to fulfill the great commission in myself. And I begin to realize this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. It was much, much harder than I thought it was going to be. And I wasn't seeing the things happen in my life like I saw happen in the Bible. And this led to some disappointment inside of me. And eventually it got to the point of where I began to feel frustrated. I began to feel disappointed and I got bored with the Christian life. Because I was like, there was this example that we had that I wanted to be like, but there was no ability for me to be able to live up to the standard that I felt like was set for me in Scripture. And so one day in my frustration, I just thought, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Is this a life that's possible for me as a Christian, and I just need to, to push in and figure out how to see that happen inside of my life, or is this something that isn't for everybody, and then I can just accept that and move on with life? Because at the time, you guys ever read Dilbert? Remember that comic? That's what I felt like my life was like. Like, it didn't look like the Bible. It looked like a Dilbert strip, and I wasn't real thrilled about that. And so I decided I'm going to dig into my Bible, and I'm going to see what it is that I've been missing out on. What is the more of God that I need inside of my life so that I can fulfill the Great Commission and have a life that looks like the life of Jesus? So I made up a New Testament reading plan for myself. I was in a band at the time, living in Tennessee, so we didn't really have any responsibilities or jobs or anything like that. So I made it up. I was reading through my New Testament once every five days. I'd just sit there, and I'd highlight, and I'd make notes, and I'd squiggle things and write questions, and I'd try to go back through and answer these. And I'm pulling out commentaries and doing word studies, trying to figure out, God, what is it that my life is supposed to be like? And as I was doing this study, the first thing that I noticed that took me by surprise, was that as I look at the life of Jesus, who we're supposed to model our lives after, for the first 30 years of his life, his life actually looked a lot like mine did. When we think of Jesus, we think, you know, it's God in human flesh has come down, so he's, he's probably the baby that changes his own diaper or doesn't need a diaper. We think that Jesus is walking through walls, doesn't need to use doors like the rest of us. We just assume that these miraculous things have been going on in his life since he was born. But that's not the way that it was. You see, when Jesus came down from heaven to earth, he chose to give up some of his divine powers so that he could identify with us in the life that we live and set the example for us of what the holy possible is for our human life with the limitations that we have as humanity. So for the first 30 years of Jesus' life, his life looks like ours. But then something happens and it moves into the miraculous ministry of Jesus that we read so much about. And this is where the, the turning point was in Jesus' life. 
It says in Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 through 17, after his baptism, as Jesus came out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly beloved Son, who brings me great joy. See, what happened is Jesus goes and he's baptized by John the Baptist like so many other people were at that time. But as he's getting out of the water, something different happens to him. It says that the Holy Spirit comes and descends upon Jesus. And that after this point now, Jesus goes from living a life that looks like ours with all the limitations of humanity into living the miraculous, supernaturally powered life that we read about through the rest of the New Testament. And it all came down to him receiving the power of the Holy Spirit inside of his life. So the first thing is Jesus' ministry began with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. He went from being someone who was a carpenter, peasant for 30 years, who was known as someone that was a good teacher. And you guys know we have good teachers around here. You can find lots of people who aren't even Christians that are great teachers and very knowledgeable. But then he goes from being someone who's a great teacher and has knowledge to someone who now has the power of the Holy Spirit inside of him, enabling him to move into ministry. Before, it doesn't even call what he was doing ministry. When it talks about the ministry of Jesus, it's reserved for the time after his baptism where he received the Holy Spirit on him and that began to enable him to do all of the things that we read about. And then this is what hit me next after that. As Jesus is going through his ministry for three years, he has his disciples, all of the miracles are occurring, and he says to the disciples that you're going to receive the Holy Spirit as well. Jesus promises disciples that they would receive the Holy Spirit. Before he is ascending into heaven, after his resurrection, after the three years together of teaching and instructing them, after giving them the great commission to go and make disciples of all the nations, Jesus says in Luke 24, 49, And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. This is the last thing that Jesus is saying to his followers. He's reminding them, okay, this is what I've called you to do. And now this is how you're going to be able to do it. But you can't even start to this. He actually tells them, I want you to stay here. I don't want you to go out and try making disciples just yet. I want you to stay in the city until I send you the promise of the Holy Spirit, which he says will give you the power of heaven. And then after that, I want you to go out and to start fulfill the great commission that I have given you. See, what Jesus did was he gave them an impossible task. Go and make disciples of all the nations. There's 120 people that are the close followers of Jesus at this point. And he says, I want you to go out over the entire world and teach people about me, to have them follow my way, to enter into our family, to become a part of the kingdom of God. This is something that they couldn't do on their own. It was something that Jesus wasn't doing before he received the gift of the Holy Spirit. So he says, I'm going to give you this impossible task, but I'm also going to give you heavenly power so that you can actually do this thing that I've called you to do. And here's what happens. When the Holy Spirit comes upon them, their life drastically changes. It says in Acts chapter 2, and this is a long reading, but it's really important to kind of gather what's going on here, so we're going to go through it. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. 
At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they believed to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and the province of Asia and Phrygia and many other places. I'm going to skip over those so I don't say them wrong. And we all hear these people speaking in our own language about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. You always have a couple of people like that in a crowd. And then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as some of you are assuming. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. It's much too early for that. Now, some of you, now what you see was predicted by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then skipping over to 32, God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, Each of you must repent for your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all the listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. See, when Jesus called them to go and make disciples of all the nations, they have to be thinking, like, we know who we are. Let's be real honest. We're uneducated fishermen from Galilee. We're, you know, we're from the boondocks. We're the rednecks of Israel. We can barely speak our language. How is it that we're going to go out and speak the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to all of these people around the world? And so this is what God does. God always has a solution. He has a way to empower you to do what it is that he's called you to do. So as they're sitting there, they're gathered, they're waiting together, about 120 of them waiting for the Holy Spirit. They don't even know what this is going to look like. They don't really know what's going to happen. They're just waiting in obedience to what Jesus has called them to, which that's, that's a whole other sermon. That's a good thing. We don't always have to know or understand what it is that God's called us to do. We just have to be obedient and allow him to make it clear to us and for him to make a way for us. But as they're waiting there, the Holy Spirit is poured out on them, and it just happens to be the day of Pentecost when Jewish people from all over the world are gathered into the city of Jerusalem. And the first thing the Holy Spirit does in them is gives them the miraculous, supernatural ability to go out and to preach the good news of Jesus in languages that they don't know. That's a miracle. 
That's something you can't do. If I tried to go up to someone and speak German to them, I was like, eins, dies, try, and that's all I know. Nein, schnau. Everything I learned from playing Call of Duty. That's the extent of my German abilities. And so, like, all these people are gathered around from all the nations. They know what they're called to do. They have the people around them, but they don't have any way to speak to them. So the Holy Spirit gives them the ability. The power of heaven comes upon them, and they're able to teach these people the good news of Jesus in their own native languages. That's an insane miracle. And what happens as a result of that is then Peter gets up full of boldness that comes from the Holy Spirit, and he gets up there, and he's saying, what you see happening here was predicted by Joel, because the Jews would all know this prophecy, uh, talking about when the Savior would come. Uh, you know, like tonight's like the blood moon night or whatever, and everybody's talking about Joel, meaning it's the end of the world. That's not what that's talking about. What Joel's talking about when the sun was darkened was when the sun was darkened when Jesus died. When he's talking about the moon turning to blood, he's talking about when Jesus himself became the blood offering for our sins to atone for them. And now the Holy Spirit was poured out on everybody and we are all able to receive salvation from God when we call on the name of Jesus. That is the great and the glorious day of the Lord. That's the age that we live in. That's not talking about the end of the world. That's talking about the beginning of the new era of grace that we live in. So be very happy for that and don't be worried about a blood moon tonight. But what you should be worried about is, is the way that God has called us to make disciples. That's what our focus is supposed to be on. Yeah. How is it that we're going to reach the people that are around us? And that's what Peter and the rest of them are focused on, is now the Holy Spirit's come upon them, and he sees this opportunity to preach Jesus, and as he gets up there and talks about the love and the forgiveness that we have in Jesus, it says that their hearts are pierced. It's not because Peter is such a good speaker, it's because the Holy Spirit is empowering the words that he's speaking. The Holy Spirit is moving on the hearts of those who are hearing the words, and now they have this encounter with God, and they say, what is it that we need to do now in light of this revelation? And Peter says, you need to repent, to turn to God, and put your faith and trust in him, and be baptized, and you will be saved. And so it says, that day, 3,000 people joined the church. They went from a group of 120 to 3,120 in one day from one sermon being preached. Now, to put that in perspective, if that were to happen to us, we're usually about 150, 160 people. Uh, that means we would need to add about 10 weekend services to be able to accommodate everybody that would come here if we had an altar call and 3,000 people got saved. That is some miraculous, supernatural growth. And why did it happen? Was it because Peter had such a great plan? He was going to go get his Rosetta Stone and spend the next 20 years learning a language to preach it? No, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't learn another language. But the reason that we saw this incredible uh, move of evangelism and disciples being made was because God had a plan, because God poured out the Holy Spirit on the disciples. It empowered the ministry that they were called to and now in response to the moving of the Holy Spirit, 3,000 people came to put their faith and their trust in Jesus. You see, the disciples' ministry began with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It didn't start before that. It happened after that. They had the call to make disciples before they received the power of the Holy Spirit. They actually had the Holy Spirit residing inside of them for their salvation, and we'll get into that in the coming weeks. But for them to move into the ministry that God had called them to, where it was beyond their own abilities, beyond their own wisdom, beyond their own intellect and planning and power, it took the power of heaven being poured out inside of them yeah. through the Holy Spirit. 
And then here's the thing that really began to mess me up as I was doing this study and trying to figure out how it was I could be effective in making disciples, is that we have been promised the Holy Spirit in this way. Acts 2.39, what Peter's talking about is he's um, talking about God's promises for us. He says, Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. See, we've been given the same command as the disciples. The Great Commission wasn't just for them. The Great Commission's for all of us. For every single one of us who becomes a disciple of Jesus, now our job is to go out and to make more disciples. But we find ourselves like the disciples a lot of times, where we feel powerless, we feel unqualified, we aren't able to do the things that God has called us to on our own. And that's why, for me, I was so frustrated. I was so bored with the Christian life, and I began to limit the scope of my ability to make disciples down to the place of my own ability, my own wisdom, my own intellect. And as soon as you begin to put limitations on yourself and what you can do based on who you are and your skills and gifts and abilities, what you find out is that you can't do a lot. But when the same power who raised Christ from the dead resides inside of you, when the Holy Spirit, the third person in the Trinity and the Godhead, resides inside of you and gives you the power of heaven to go out and to make disciples, there's nothing that is impossible for you. Absolutely nothing. And the vision that God's put in your heart for the ministry that he's called you to, it isn't just a dream anymore. It becomes the holy reality for your life. Because here's what happens is our ministry begins when we receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Everything changes. We're able to do beyond what we could do naturally. The apostles, they went out after they received the Holy Spirit for the empowerment, and they're healing people, uh, they're having wisdom into the situations that are going on, knowing people's hearts and minds, having prophetic words. I mean, all kinds of just amazing things are happening that are causing people to put their faith and their trust and their hope in Jesus, not because of convincing arguments, but because of encounters with the power and the love of God. That's what fueled discipleship. And that's what has to fuel our discipleship as we go out to do the same thing that God has called us to do. And here's what happened to me. As I began to evaluate this, these things, seeing how the Holy Spirit empowered Jesus' ministry, how the, whole, the disciples have been promised the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit began to empower their ministry, and then seeing the promise that we have for the Holy Spirit and recognizing that when I received the power of the Holy Spirit inside of my life, it would really empower my ministry, I decided I couldn't wait another second. I was living in the walk-in closet of our guitar player's uh, room, and it was a very small room, but I was sitting there, and I was reading, and I said, I'm not going another moment without this. I need the power of the Holy Spirit in my life because I don't want to live bored. I don't want to live frustrated. I don't want to live with a fruitless ministry for another second inside of my life. So I said, Todd, will you come in here? He came in there, and I said, I want more of God. I came to recognize that the Holy Spirit is the more of God that I've been thirsting for, that I've been longing for, that I wanted more than just salvation and sanctification inside of my life, but I wanted the power of heaven inside of me so that I could make disciples. And he said, well, let's have the pastor pray for you on Sunday. And I said, nope, we're doing it now. I'm not living another second without this. And so I sat there in that room in Bumpus Mills, Tennessee, 
They have great names down there. And I said, God, I want more of you. Would you fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit? And instantly, something came over me. It was a warmth. It was a new love and an affection that was stirred up inside of my heart, a new closeness that I felt to God like I never felt before. As I began to read scripture, it came alive to me like it had never been before. As I'm praying, I began to hear God speak to me more clearly as I'm worshiping. Uh, I mean, I'm not quite to Celeste level yet of, of worship, but I, I'm like raising my hands and I'm excited as I'm declaring my love and affection for Jesus because that's something that was stirred up new inside of me by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then I remember this, when I started hearing God clearly give me commands. Because remember, how did Jesus operate? He says, I have only done the things that I've seen the Father doing and I've only said the things that I've heard the Father say. Yes. How did he do that? The power of the Holy Spirit will work inside of his heart. And so I remember I met someone who had a torn rotator cuff and they'd had surgery on it and the surgery had failed and they were in great pain. And this was about two weeks after the surgery and about a week after I asked God to fill me in a new way. And I remember God saying, I want you to pray for her shoulder for healing. And I was like, oh no, because if it doesn't happen, I'm going to look like an idiot. And I'm like, is this just me? Am I just hearing this? Am I just wanting this? But just the Holy Spirit was just convicting me of like, you need to pray for her shoulder. And so I said, hey, um, is it okay if I pray for healing for your shoulder? And she's like, yeah, absolutely. So who's going to say no? And, and so I pray for her shoulder, and instantly the pain is gone. And I was like, whoa. Like, that wasn't me. I don't know how to do that. I don't have, like, the right words to bring healing to someone's shoulder. But I just heard God, what God was wanting to do in the situation I have God living inside of me, the power of heaven inside of me. So in obedience to what it was that God called me to do, I just prayed for healing for the shoulder. Amen. And then not too long after that, I remember I was walking and I saw a woman who was sitting on a bench and God told me, I want you to go and I want you to ask her if she wants to receive me. And I'm like, that is definitely me. Like, I'm just getting cocky now. And it was like, no, you have to go and you have to ask her. I'm like, God, she's going to think I'm hitting on her or I'm an idiot. I mean, God, don't make me do this one. He's like, no, you, you need to go and do this. And so I come up to her all sheepish, and I'm like, hey, um, you know, this might sound kind of weird, which is a terrible way to start out a conversation. <laughs> it sets the expectation pretty high for crazy. And I go up to her, I'm like, hey, I just really feel like God wants to know if you want to receive him. And I'm expecting a no, or I need an adult, or, you know, mace in the face or something. And she just burst into tears, crying. She's like, I was praying that God would send me someone. Amen. I'm like, what just happened? Amen. That was awesome, God. And then I tried it with someone else. I didn't hear God tell me to do it. I was just getting cocky, and they were like, get away, weirdo. And I'm like, sorry. <laughs> But as I was obedient to the promptings and the leadings of the Holy Spirit inside of my life, I began to have the ability to make disciples like never before because it wasn't based on me anymore. It was based on God. It wasn't about people having an encounter with like brushed my hair just right, smile right, charismatic, charming Jeremy to try to convince you of something or sign you up for a timeshare. It was based on I just had an encounter with the living God and his power was made real inside of my life and so now I believe the words that the messenger speaks because I just saw what God did to confirm it and my ministry has been changed and now I mean I'm not raising people from the dead I don't have the faith for that one quite yet but I have faith to pray for healing whenever God says go speak to that person I speak to them and he gives me words of wisdom and knowledge how to speak into the situation I mean I would never imagine or even dreamed of trying to plan a church if it weren't for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit knowing that God is with me that he's never abandoned me or forsaken me and knowing that his power is in me 
And the thing is that this is possible for every believer. You don't have to live a bored, frustrated, fruitless life. You can have a passion for Jesus inside of you. You can have a discipleship ministry that is just flourishing. The dreams and the visions and the hopes that God's put inside of your heart can become realized, not by your ability, but by the more of God inside of you. And this is how we receive that. Is we just need to ask for the Holy Spirit. In Luke 11, 9 through 13, it says this, this is what Jesus is telling his disciples. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Your fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So what do we have to do to receive the empowering of the Holy Spirit inside of our lives, the more of God? We just ask him. And that's what I did one day. I just asked him. I'd been following Jesus for a long time. The Holy Spirit was in me. I was saved. I was being sanctified. My mind was being renewed. But I lacked the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of heaven inside of my life. And it led to the boredom. It led to the frustration. It led to me, honestly, just wanting to kind of give up on everything and just live my Dilbert life. But then as I was studying and I was was seeking more of God, this is what he revealed is that the plan was always for us to be a people who are empowered by the Holy Spirit, that we shouldn't even go out and try to begin the ministry God has called us to and we receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And all that we have to do is ask for it. And here's what you need to know is that it's so imperative for you to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We live in a city that needs you to live out the ministry and the discipleship calling that God has put on your heart, empowered by the Holy Spirit, because you on your own and by yourself, you can't do it. We as a church need to be a church that is filled with people who are constantly seeking and and asking God, fill us fresh and new again. This is what we see, we'll talk about later as the apostles. This wasn't the only time they were filled with the Holy Spirit. It says that they're praying again another time and once again they're filled in fresh new ways and they go back out. As we keep pouring out the Holy Spirit and the glory of God as we minister, we need to keep taking it in. As we keep taking it in and pouring it out, but we need more of God. We need more of him over and over again and again. And when we become the church that God has called us to be, those who he has poured out his spirit on all flesh, all of his servants, talking about his sons and daughters prophesying and all of these signs and wonders going on, that's the kind of church that we need to be so that we can make disciples of Jesus in our city. We don't need to have the hokey spirit, which you will see a lot of that, but we need the Holy Spirit inside of us lining up in the way that was modeled by Jesus. Because remember, what Jesus do, one of the things he's doing is he's not just paying the price for our sin and making a way for new life, but he's setting the example for us of what our life can be. And that's why he said, the things that you've seen me do, you will do, and even greater things than these. But for that to happen, we need the same empowering that he needed. You guys stand with me this morning.
You guys want more? Now let's, let's just pray. Let's close our eyes and ask God to speak to us this morning. Father, we're so grateful that you speak to us. Now, God, would you still our hearts, make us quiet so that you can search us, God. Just ask God this question. God, do I need more of you? Have you been running into the frustrations and the boredom of trying to fulfill a task that you're not capable of? You need that power of heaven inside of your life as you go out to make disciples. And this morning, if that's you and you feel like I can't take it another second, I need more of God, whether it's for the first time, maybe this morning you're saying, I I just want to follow Jesus. I haven't been following him, but this morning I want to follow Jesus and receive the power of the Holy Spirit inside of my life. And this morning, all that it takes is you doing, just like Peter said, you repent of your sins. Say, God, forgive me of my sins. From this day forward, I'm following you. I believe that you died and that you rose again, that my sins are forgiven. And God, would you now pour that new life into me? I'm coming after you, Jesus. And this morning, maybe you need more of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Maybe you've been running dry. Maybe you've never received the power like that, like we're talking about in the scripture. But this morning, you're saying, God, I need that. I need that now. I can't go another second without it. And this morning, you just be so bold as to raise your hand, just as a way of saying, God, would you fill me? God, I need your strength. I need your wisdom. I need your power in my life. Thank you. And let's pray this together. Jesus, I believe you. And you promised me the Holy Spirit. You called me to make disciples. And I can't do that on my own. You said to ask for the Holy Spirit. So we pray this morning for a new filling. Let your Holy Spirit fall on this place. Falling on us, empowering us. Bringing new life inside of us. So that we can do the things you did. And even greater things. Jesus, for the sake of our city, let us hear the voice of the Father. Let us see the things that you are doing. And fill us with faith to be obedient. God, let waves of your grace and your mercy fall over us. Changing us forever. And God, continue to stir up that hunger for more inside of me. I receive your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Now, here's sometimes the hard thing about prayers. Is you can be like, I don't feel any different. But this is where faith comes in. This is what Jesus said that he was going to do. He said he was going to give me the gift of the Holy Spirit. He said, if you ask, if you seek, if you knock, you will receive. You will find. 
So for some of you, I'm sure that something happened inside of your hearts right now when you're different and you're feeling the power of God alive and well inside of you. And some of you might be like, I don't really feel anything. It's not any different for me. Because I'm telling you, when you go home, you make this your pursuit. You keep coming back and say, Jesus, this is a promise that you gave me. And I'm going to keep asking and seeking and knocking until I get it. I'm going to ask my prayer partners to come forward. They're just going to be in this middle aisle here. And if there's anything that we can pray for you about, if you want more and, and you just really want to continue to press in, we would love to pray with you. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, we'd love to connect with you and, and to help give you some encouragement and next steps in the new life that you're entering into. And for anything else, we just love to pray. And as you're going out today, uh, man, grab some coffee. Find some people that you don't know. Introduce yourself to them. As the family continues to grow, it needs to be uh, important that we continue to try to welcome people in and, and connect with people because the family is something that's so beautiful and so important to our life together. Well, thank you so much for being here today. And uh, man, keep seeking because there is more and we're going to dive into even more of that next week. Have a great day.